0: to this week's episode of my sister made me view at the roswell 1999
1: edition it's a sad one today i am back to hating this show again (laughs) (laughs) once again this is a terrible tv show and i hate it so much (laughs) You don't have to constantly break up your main romantic leads. There are other options. (laughs) Once again, here's an episode where literally everyone broke up, except for Isabel, who didn't even
0: show up. But, yeah. Okay, we're going to start this off, first of all, by saying, hi, my name is Emily. (laughs) Hello, my name is Megan. Are you going to be difficult and eat crunchy things because you hated this episode?
1: It's not crunchy. It's a funny story, actually. Oh, no. So, I'm almost done. I just didn't quite get it all eaten while we were watching the episode. But, um i started preparing a marinade for some delicious pork chops today because i'm like oh i have these pork chops in my fridge and every day i say i'm gonna make them and i haven't yet today's the day so i'm mixing together my sauces and my spices and my garlic in a little little dish and i pull out the pork chops and i'm like they're wrapped up really tight and The plastic wrap isn't exactly inflated, but that juice doesn't look very juicy. It looks very solid. And I checked the expiration date on the pork, and it was a month ago.
0: Megan, Camille!
1: And then I thought of you and the fact that I would have to talk to you about this. (laughs) I thought Ah! about risking it. I really did. Oh, you did it
0: actually? I honestly
1: considered risking it. But then I was like, <sighs> I would give Emily a heart attack. So I threw away I four reasonably good pork on the chops. Ground.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. That's the nicest thing you've ever <laughs> done for me. Uh,
1: and instead, I took all of the, like, the sauce I was going to put in a marinade, and I really watered it down, and I just cooked rice in it instead. So I'm enjoying some very delicious flavored rice. Instead of delicious flavored pork chops. But yeah, I figured see (laughs) it is a gross food story but it has a happy ending. Oh my gosh. It's really good. By watered down I added a ton of added a ton of beef stock to the juice and then a little bit of water. So it's very tasty flavored rice.
0: I have weird food anxieties and leftovers are one of them. I have a really hard time eating leftovers unless it's like the next day, and it's stuff that I bought personally. We see, if Someone else cooked it, and it's the next day. Absolutely not.
1: It wasn't even left over. It was still perfectly wrapped in its plastic. And I will admit, okay. I did slice it open a little bit and do a sniff test. Like, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and I had to be like, listen, you can't get food poisoning. You have too much to do this week. So... <laughs> Yeah, Megan, what are you going to do this weekend? Ugh, clean my apartment. Because I have a very special guest coming over. And cleaning your apartment's a big deal? Yeah, because this special guest has made only one request. And it's that she doesn't have to step on anything gross on the floor. (laughs) Like dirt, or cat litter, or tortilla chips, which I vacuumed up from underneath my desk yesterday.
0: She sounds super high maintenance. Why would you invite
1: her? I am only using her for her credit card. (laughs) so i don't have a credit card i only have a debit card (laughs) and wow you guys are learning so much about me tonight and i need to drive to utah this weekend and i do have a car but my car registration is very expired To the point where if I got pulled over for having this expired registration, it's been expired long enough that my vehicle could be impounded and taken away from me. (laughs) So instead of chancing that, I'm renting a car. So, listeners, this is how having ADHD actually costs you money. (laughs) Because you procrastinate and you put stuff off. Until so your car is six months outdated, so you need to rent a car, but the rental place won't let you rent a car without a credit card. <laughs> and so, even though you've ordered a credit card, you didn't do it in time for it to arrive in time to bring it to the, <laughs> the rental place. So, you pay for a plane ticket for your sister to fly out from <laughs> Utah to California so she can put the rental car on her credit card. You can pay her back, and then both of you drive to Utah. <laughs> After which, she will rent another car for you at the end of your trip for you to drive back home. And if you're all like, Megan, why don't you fly? Are you afraid of the sky? No. I just want to bring my cats with me. And I don't trust the airplane people with my alive animals. (laughs) And you have laundry to do. And my laundry definitely exceeds the 50-pound limit on an airplane.
0: (laughs) So I'm so excited. I'm going to go to California this weekend.
1: Did you know that the director... If I were a member of the Director's Guild of America, there is a laundry stipend. They pay you to have someone come to do your laundry that's why i'm on a quest to join the director's guild of america because i hate (laughs) doing laundry laundry that much
0: (laughs) well we are gonna have a good time and while you're in utah we can do more podcasting we can uh so this is a
1: cosmere thing but emily today was like I bought the Emperor's Soul and I'm like, you mean the book we're I not did. supposed to read for a year?
0: No one told me that. I was so excited. Ted's like, it's so good. Friend of the Pod is like, this is my favorite one. I'm like, great, I'm gonna be able to like text him all of my reactions while I read it, like he gets to do to Megan. I know. And then Megan ruins everything. It's in the, the says, Arcanum no. book. It's
1: uh, I and I and I know I didn't tell you that's where It was kept because it
0: is its its own
1: book. There's nothing else. It's just the it it can be bought separately as a novella. You are correct. Uh, (laughs) However, I am a benevolent sister, Emily. You can read it now. You can talk about it with Ted now. We will just record on it in a year.
0: In a year. That's great. I'm very excited. (sighs)
1: You're welcome.
0: But I'm so excited because we're gonna meet a friend of the pod ten in real life when we go to his oh, wedding. That in reminds two weeks. me, I gotta pack my.
1: Should I bring all of my? No, I'm just gonna be there for the day of their wedding. I'm not bringing five books to the reception.
0: <laughs> I mean, you could. You're an adult. You can do what you want.
1: Is this podcast gonna be released before their wedding? No.
0: All right, Roswell time. Roswell time. Roswell time. Can I tell you what the title of this episode is going to be? Yes. Boning and Betrayal. Okay. <laughs> Wait a second. Did you say... You don't say, like
1: it. Bone! <laughs> <laughs> Bone! <laughs> How dare you, my sister Emily. I am your younger sibling! <laughs> okay sorry the reason i was holding my breath is i thought it was going to be a pun because you know how i love puns could i I substitute an alternate title you
0: may bone trail (laughs) We will do the AKA boning and betrayal, AKA bone trail. How's that? Great. (laughs) Compromise. (sighs) Okay. So Megan already got to give you guys her feelings about this. I'm also going to welcome anyone who it's their first time here on the podcast and explain a little bit. My sister made me view it as a podcast where each of us take turns showing our sister something that they have refused to read or watch for our entire lives. And mine is Roswell, the 1999 version. And this is my favorite episode. My absolutely oh, no. most beloved episode. Your bone-loved episode. Seas- <laughs> Season two, episode five, The End of the World, is Emily's favorite are you telling me it's all downhill from here? No, I that am not saying I came saying this that. far and no. all the other episodes are just bad. No. <laughs> like no, I, I am so not. <laughs> Listeners, tell her I am not saying that at all. I'm saying the the days of 47 or summer of 47, and this are my favorite like character episodes of yeah. all time.
1: So we've had two good ones in a row that have had really really strong and interesting science fiction concepts like a lot of season one was like what is the problem of the week and it's usually Mm -hmm. we solve the problem with our alien powers and these last two have been like conceit episodes where you know if you're talking to somebody to be like oh yeah It's the episode with time travel, or it's the episode where they go back in time, which are somehow two very different episode (laughs) premises. But you guys, you you all know what I mean.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as we're watching this, and we're in the first five minutes of this episode, and Megan goes, if I were to get anyone into Roswell, I would tell them to start with this episode.
1: And then halfway through, I was like, never mind. (laughs) Burn it down.
0: (laughs) So, welcome. I'm very excited to talk about this episode today. Ah! So, we start off, I don't know if this could be called in media res. That's like one of the only film phrases I know. But we are in the year 2040 AD. We gotta teach you what? more film phrases. 2014 Frame within AD. a frame. Yes. Frame within a frame. I know that one.
1: I was so shocked you never brought that up during our Our Flag Means Death episodes. There's so many frames within a frame in that show. We never I'm talked about it I'm almost sure
0: I said it maybe one time, but we'll have to see. <laughs> but it's 2080... It's 2014 AD, and then underneath it says Minutes Before the Fall. And we have a future Max and a future Liz who are running into the granolith saying... I don't want to leave you. You have to. It's the end of the world. You have to save us. I don't want to leave you. I love you. Mm. And this was interesting. This was cool, despite the bad wigs. (laughs) But everyone wears leather pants and leather jackets and blazers in the future. Do you think they're made from skins? No. No! (laughs) Why, (laughs) Megan?! Not trophy hunter.
1: well because it's the apocalypse apparently and you gotta make do with what you have maybe i'll tell you what everybody's hair care in the future makes their hair very
0: shiny and plasticky and very voluminous it's uh cause... max has got a ton of hair and liz has a ton of hair as well the wigs are not great no. Well, I don't think Max is too bad. We do, We never really see him in direct light, though. I so was just going to him. say, it's because they never <laughs> lit his wig fully. The director of photography but, and the gaffer knew what was going on. Oh, so Max and Liz are saying goodbye to each other. Saying, I don't regret anything. Thank you for everything. And there's, you know, the floor is rumbling. They're getting thrown to the ground. And he pulls like a crystal out of his pocket and activates the granolith, and it is basically a time machine. He jumps into it, and Liz tells him goodbye, and he goes off somewhere into the unknown. Into the uh...
1: unknown. It's very funny because (laughs) this is very like that scene in Frozen 2. When Elsa's doing, show yourself. And Max is, like, inside the granolith the way her mom was inside the ice on the wall. (laughs) So, after this very
0: (laughs) dramatic,
1: ready throw yourself into something new. You are the max I've been waiting for all of my (laughs)
0: life. Oh, so after this dramatic goodbye, where listen, I think Liz and Max, their acting in this is wonderful because they, you can just tell they are a couple and they are together and they are so sad to be saying goodbye to each other. So that kind of fades out and we go into the Jetta. We've got Maria driving. We've got Liz in the front seat and we've got um, Alex in the back. And Liz and Alex are both kind of bemoaning their love lives where, you know, Liz is just like, I can't be with Max. And Alex is saying, I got the you're such a great friend speech and I'm so depressed and he's in the back like chomping on potato chips. And then we've got Maria, who is smug as all get out in the driver's seat going, well, I have Michael Guerin and you guys know how big of a thing that is. So she's taking them, Megan, to see who. Uh, I'm pretty
1: sure the actress is Winnie Holtzman, but the character's name is Madame Vivian. All right, let me look that up. Winnie Holtzman. Megan, you are correct. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She was on screen for like 0.2 seconds, and I recognized her. (laughs) Why is that, you ask? Well, it's because I'm obsessed with Wicked the Musical. Winnie Holtzman wrote the book, which is the script, for the stage musical of Wicked. And I've just been watching millions of interviews with her and Stephen Schwartz lately because I'm on a real big Wicked kick. And so when she showed up on screen,
0: I was like, oh, I'm <laughs> I nailed it. So Maria has brought them to Madame Vivian, who is her mom's psychic, so that they can all get a reading for their love life. And I've never been to a psychic. That is actually something I would like to do one day. I don't a hundred percent believe in them, but I don't a hundred percent disbelieve in them either. I think some people have a gift, and I think some people are just in it and making money and can read people really well. I'm telepathic. I know I've seen it,
1: <laughs> but I'm not very good at it. and <laughs> I can't do it on command) <laughs> She can do it on <laughs> command. Listen, I'm not telepathic. Just sometimes I know things
0: that I read like there's no reasonable way I should know. You know when your phone rings even when it's on silent.
1: Although it can't be on silent anymore. Really bothers me, but I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Meg, tell me about your new job and why you have to be on call uh, all the time. So because now I'm a director and I'm managing a team. I have to make sure that I see and reply to messages as soon as they get them because good supervisors email fast or just <laughs> uh, and now I just hear notifications on my phone all day, every day and it drives me bazonkers. <laughs> Welcome to my life. I actually got like 30 while we were watching the episode. It's outside of work hours. This wasn't, like, work directly related, but it was Animation Guild related and development project stuff related. And so Emily was like, you're missing the kissing! And I'm like, believe me, the sound
0: designers are not letting me miss the kissing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone wants to be kissing their significant other. But Madame Vivian does not have good news for everyone. She tells Alex that... You are a wonderful friend to this girl, and you are her foundation. But you are never going to have like a physical relationship. And Alex is like, please, please, just anything. And
1: <laughs> Isabel is not even in this episode, and I know it's because Katherine Heigl had a really heavy lifting job last episode. Um, but I, I like to imagine it's because Isabel is secretly. Just hanging out with the 9 million year old time traveling geologist. Ooh. I love it. The geologist that's old as rocks. That's not true. He's so (laughs) old. He's even older than Max from the
0: future. (laughs) Listen, sometimes I'm just going to let you watch the episode and we'll see what happens. Um so Maria gets news that she doesn't want to hear. She hears that her and Michael only have 48 hours uh, for, this, for their relationship to work. And I love Maria's reaction because she's upset for a second. And then she goes, okay, are they going to be a good 48 hours? Like, I love her internal optimism. I love it. I love it. Hmm. And then Liz gets her cards read. And the psychic is kind of like, I have never seen the cards do this before. Like, she's she's picking up on things like, hey, this boy is different. He's important. He's a leader. And Liz is like, yeah, he has like this whole other destiny that does not include me. And the psychic goes, no, he chooses you, girl. You are his future. You are his true love. You find happiness. And Liz, I think, all of a sudden, she's been going, especially from the, the season finale, going, I cannot be with Max, he's supposed to be with Tess, this is his destiny, and the psychic gives her a ray of hope, and so what does she do? But you're raising your hand.
1: Well, then you asked me a question, and my hand raised doesn't have anything to do with your question. Okay. What well, what you tell me what your hand, I, raised, I was, what, what your hand say, was raised for. This psychic gives her a future reading that's so good and so rosy that I think this is the reason, had future Max not shown up, that Liz and Max would have boned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Liz goes home and finds like a lace cloth and she puts it over herself like a veil and she's practicing her wedding vows in front of the mirror. Who hasn't done that among us?
1: Who hasn't? You know what? I definitely have, but I definitely practice awards acceptance speeches more. (laughs) (laughs) And yep, that's what I practice in the mirror.
0: (laughs) I love it. Um, so Liz is practicing and there is like a rumble outside and bright flashing lights. And all of a sudden this man is on her balcony. It's this <laughs> man, man with capital in leather pants letter. and sleeveless leather jacket. <laughs> and it's Max from the future. He's come to find her. He crouches down, his hair's all long and everything. And she recognizes him. And they did a pretty good job with makeup. Like he looks older. He's got scars everywhere. He's got a little bit of gray on his temples, you know. Um, but she is absolutely freaking out, obviously. I mean, okay, I I I'm a little sad that they didn't they didn't bring this up because she has already been through this with Macedo pretending to be Max, pretending to be Max. And she yeah. does say you're a she says you could be a shapeshifter. But I, I almost wonder why she didn't go more into the alien plausibility of it all. I was a yeah. little... Not disappointed, yeah, but she was, like, oh, She was weird. very...
1: She harped very hard on time travel is impossible instead of shapeshifters are real. Like, I think she should have yeah. gone harder on shapeshifters. And then when he pushed and pushed, she's like, no, it's not even an option. Time travel is not real. But you know what? Liz is freaking out. And... Doesn't have to be presenting logical arguments right now. She is just freaking out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to explain, you know, what's going on and why he's here. And he. Oh, I just pause it. Winnie Holtzman, her name shows up in the credits. I knew it. In the it. opening. You knew it. You're great. Hi, Winnie. Um... <laughs> Who listens to
1: our podcast? Definitely.
0: <laughs> so. Max is here. I'm going to skip a little bit ahead and then come back. Max is here to tell her basically that the future is ruined. Earth has fallen. The enemies are there. And it's all because they drove Tess away. That in order to succeed or protect Earth, they needed all four aliens. But Mm -hmm. Max in the past slash present has picked Liz And basically everyone gave Tess enough of a cold shoulder that she left town and they find out too late that they need her. And so he's come to convince Liz to make present Max fall out of love with her. And I love this episode so much. I love it so much, Megan. I love it. Two pieces. It's my favorite one. But he comes across really, really aggressive. And he's like, you know, like she's on her bed. She's standing up. He's like circling the room. And finally, at one point, he's got her shoved into a corner. And she finally just says, please don't touch me. And he realizes it and he backs off. And I think that was a really good way to get that character to help the audience realize like he's a good person, even though he's different than our Max, quote unquote, um it was just a little thing but i really liked that characterization of future max of like oh my gosh i'm scaring the love of my life i'm going to back off i don't need to keep like harping on her space or be in her space yep but um he finally figures out a way to get her to believe him and megan he predicts a future what does he predict he doesn't predict because he's already
1: lived it. So he...
0: Okay, for Liz, it's predicted. Sorry, I'm being pedantic.
1: Uh, <laughs> he tells You're us that apparently... You're being an about it. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, Max Evans of Our Time has spent a week learning lyrics in Spanish and has hired the mariachi band from the Chinese-Mexican fusion restaurant to come and sing to Liz Parker. I... Did they say that? They didn't, but where else? (laughs) But we know. We know that's what he did. (laughs) Where else does he have access to a mariachi band? I'm sure in Roswell, New Mexico, there are a bunch, but I don't think Maxwell Evans knows where to find them. No.
0: So she tells him that's impossible. That is too cheesy. The real Maxwell Evans would never do that. And so he's like, three, two, one. And she's like, well, after nothing happens, he's like, I said approximately. Like, he's so cute. And so he's explaining to her the background, all of this. Like, it's just set up so romantically because as she's walking across her balcony, he's feeding her this story of all the effort that Present Max went through, of learning the, you know, learning the lyrics and everything. And um, he shows up and he's got, you know, flowers behind his back and everything and he's singing and I really think it's the actor that's singing I don't think it's dubbed over and he's got a pretty good voice and Megan you know me and men that can sing I'm I'm done for I'm done yep. but um, he tosses the flowers he tosses the bouquet of roses up to her from you know below up to her balcony very Romeo and Juliet she's on the balcony <laughs> we're going to talk about Romeo and Juliet And Future Max is also uh, annotating, saying, I remembered as I threw them up that, you know, threw these flowers up to you that I remembered that you liked white roses and the roses turn from red to white in midair. And as this beautiful romantic moment is happening, this is where Future Max drops the bombshell that he loves you. Like, this current Max loves you and this cannot happen. Ugh. Ugh. Megan. So. So, not all is well in paradise with Max and Liz. And things are not going well for Maria and Michael. And the weird Courtney thing going on. <laughs> so, this is where I started getting really irritated
1: with the episode. Okay. Because. I am sick and tired of these teenagers breaking up and then getting back together and then breaking up and getting back together. And now we're having a whole episode about how, oh, we have to break up. But I know they're soulmates. I know the producers shipped them. And like three episodes later, they'll just find a way around it and it'll still happen and they're still going to get married at 19. And I'm aggrieved. I'm annoyed. Because you're a light-eyed spinster? No. This isn't about me not finding love. This is about my aggravation in storytelling where we can't come up with any
0: drama better than are they dating or are they not? I hear you. I hear you and I acknowledge that that is frustrating That's for it. you and it usually is for me. I feel in this episode it works. Because it's not just oh I misunderstood something or I misheard something or there was a mix-up mm-hmm. somewhere and and I was fifteen minutes late or whatever. This is the fate of the world, Megan. Oh, the fate uh, of the you world. mean how later
1: in the episode uh, Max overhears her with Kyle and misunderstands
0: what's happening because they've lied to on him on purpose. They it's a miss. <laughs> it's a purposeful misunderstanding there is purpose behind it Mm -hmm. i am sorry that it annoys you though but i listen love this episode i just love it Mm -hmm. um and and i feel that also the misunderstanding between michael and maria i thought it was written really well and so i was i'm prepared to accept it because um because the way it's been going the last few episodes, Courtney has really been muscling in on like Michael territory and just being really flirty and really touchy and really inappropriate. Um and Michael, instead of being stupid about it, which I was so grateful they didn't make him ignorant of this, like what? She's paying attention to me? Because of course she is. And I really, I really liked that his character is just like, no, this is weird, but I bet I could get close enough to her to figure out what's going on. And there's no ulterior motive. It's not, oh, I'm going to get close to her to figure out what's going on. But really, I just want to, like, get close to her. Bone. Bone. And I feel bad. I totally see where Maria comes from. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to that later. But I really feel bad that she believed the circumstances and not the truth. You know, I feel like... Yeah. Michael has given her so much support and understanding and she didn't give it to him in this episode. And I totally get why and we'll get to those scenes later, but I was a little sad that she didn't give him the the benefit of the doubt. Nice. Okay. So Liz is back with future Max and just saying, Why me? Why can't you just go to Max directly? Why can't you do this directly and just... Tell him what's going on. And he gives the reasoning of basically if we come into contact, we'll be destroyed. And so really this is up to Liz. And I am so surprised Liz doesn't go and tell Maria and get Maria to help her. But she just does it all on her own. I understand why. But, you know, she's told that like what's about to happen over the next few days is critical to the entire history of the planet. So the entire future of the human race has been placed On Liz's shoulders. Yes, Megan. I am annoyed that future Max
1: feels he and Liz's relationship is the one thing that ruined the future. You and I have talked about this in time travel discussions before. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to travel back in time and meddle with the past anyway with the intention to change the future, why don't you just give us relevant information Why don't you tell us who the enemy is? Like, why don't you, since you've already broken the laws of time travel before, is like, uh, I cannot hole punch Liz Parker's V-card or the world will end. (laughs) Like- He's so unhelpful. He comes here to do one thing, and it's a stupid thing, and that's consistent with who Max Evans is as a person. <laughs> but I wish he had done a helpful thing instead of been like, you need to be prepared. The enemy is this, and you will start to see them on this day, and you will start to do it on this day. Like, the fortune
0: teller was literally more helpful <laughs> than the person who came from the future to try and prevent it. <laughs> That is a very good point, Megan. I I think that is a really well-thought-out point. And my guess is it's
1: because the writers have not 100% decided what the end of the show will be. Because obviously this climactic battle is hopefully where their show itself is headed. So I get that they're like, we don't want to tell you too much about the future because then our show is like, we have this beaker Beaker. Beacon. Beacon. <laughs> we have this beacon. Bacon. <laughs> we have this beacon set very far in the future that we 100 percent have to write to. Because um supernatural put themselves in a little bit of this problem because they set an episode way in the future during season four or five. No, during season five. Four. Five. Five. Yeah, they set an episode way in the future during season five and then Supernatural ran long enough that they actually caught up to it. And so they had to, you know, acknowledge that, yeah, we know. So
0: I get why this happened. I'm just
1: annoyed by it.
0: (laughs) And I agree with you. Think those are all valid points. I also like to think that maybe it's an enemy that they haven't run into yet or he's hoping that by switching Tess into his, you know, Max's love slot, uh, that the aliens will be prevented from ever showing up. So why give out knowledge if you're just, you know, what you're doing to change it right now is going to fix it and you don't need to know all the background. Although, Megan, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a stupid change that,
1: oh, yeah, if we need Tess to be on our side – just have Liz Parker be nicer to Tess. Like he literally says the problem is all of us were rude to Tess and gave her the cold shoulder so she left. Just tell everyone to be nicer to Tess. It's not that hard. You know what? Let Kyle trim her lamp, maybe.
0: <laughs> like she well, we get this. We get this a little bit in the episode before where Isabel says, I'm not proud of the way I've treated Tess. Like people are starting to realize like Tess has been dealt a very difficult hand and they are not making it any easier at all. I really hate that Max Evans comes here from the future with 14 years of knowledge
1: just to say we can't go to the rock and roll concert on Wednesday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sir! (gasps) Well, we get a scene with Tess and Kyle. Tess saying basically she's sick of this town. She's tired of basically being told what to do and then being ignored. And she says, he can figure it out on his own. They all can. And she's going like, they didn't know anything until I came along. Like, she's very integral to their story, but nobody likes her. And I don't blame them. Just because she showed up and the first thing she does is (laughs) whammy
1: max and seduce him with alien magic instead of actually getting to know him
0: (laughs) and i feel that for her that's completely that's a completely normal thing to do you have powers use them but that's not how max and isabel and michael were raised you know and so i i love these two different worlds colliding and just absolutely butting heads but Kyle and Tess have a moment about, like, oh, are you stressed out? (laughs) You know what unstresses me out? (laughs) Moon. And she's all for it. She's like, great, let's do it. Uh, Although,
1: so Kyle uses the euphemism. Okay, well, so Kyle uh, quotes uh, what the show's claiming is a Buddhist proverb I don't, I don't know for sure, but he talks about how, like, keeping the lamp of life trimmed. And I'm like, I hope it's not the same person who trimmed your hair, Kyle, because your season two <laughs> hair is bad. We finally got good hair back
0: for Michael, and now the curse of bad hair has been passed on to Kyle. <laughs> Maybe it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not arguing with you at all. It's a terrible haircut. It is not a good haircut on him. A Give me his haircut. long jock hair back. <laughs> He and Tess are about to kiss and the doorbell rings. And I remember being so shocked as a kid because he goes, and I'm like, oh, that's the worst swear word you could say. I was very scandalized by it. But he he runs over to open the door and I love the callbacks to that he and Liz used to be a couple together and their breakup was not mutual and it was a little messy. And so he's like, Oh, are you here? Because you sensed I might be experiencing some, some actual joy. (laughs) Like she comes over to speak to Tess, basically to say, Tess, you and Max belong together. Let me help you do that. And so this is Liz's um, idea on how to get, how to get them together tess is suspicious she's like how stupid do you think i am and liz is trying to explain really like no i've known since the day that we were in that pod all together i've known i do not belong together with max his future is you and so she really really is trying i mean and she says how hard it was for her to come here and talk about this i mean okay megan yep I don't know where I'm going to go with this this direction, okay. but have you ever spoken to someone who likes the person you like and you know you don't have a chance with the person you like because the other person is like, <laughs> has a claim on them? <laughs> <laughs> like
1: every other year of my elementary middle school and high school
0: experience (laughs) i never got first dibs on my
1: crushes
0: yeah me neither and i just i just can't imagine like i could completely imagine how liz felt and how hard it was for her to come in and be like listen you get him you can have him You're meant to be with him. Ah! You know,
1: um, in one of my favorite television shows, Grey's Anatomy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there is a Dibs situation where uh, Owen was, okay, spoilers for Grey's Anatomy, Owen was a soldier in the war. What
0: season? What season?
1: Five through nine? (laughs) Four through nine? Five through nine. Uh, Owen was a soldier in the war, and Owen's only in Grey's Anatomy because they needed a man who was more emotionally unreasonable than Derek Shepard to make Derek look good. <laughs> and he had a fiancé when he went to war, and her name was Beth. <laughs> but he fell in love with a woman uh, who was in his platoon named Teddy Altman, and Teddy's a heart surgeon, one of the best in the world. Well, we don't know any of this about Owen because he comes back from the war and starts working at Seattle Grace, and then he (laughs) falls in love with Christina Yang, who's really into heart surgery. And Christina finds out after they're dating that Owen had a fiancé named Beth, and he broke up with her in an email. And then a season or two after Owen first shows up, Teddy, who is a really good heart surgeon, he recommends Teddy to be hired to the hospital so she can teach Christina And Teddy shows up and she is very surprised that Owen is dating someone because she always thought if he ever broke up with Beth that he would date her. And now we're in like season five or six at this point and Christina's been trying to find a cardiovascular surgeon mentor or teacher the whole time. And she and Teddy end up really hitting it off, but Christina doesn't know what teddy (laughs) meant to owen during the war and there's this pivotal scene where teddy is thinking about quitting the hospital just because of stuff because of reasons and christina is begging her to stay and it's it's at both of the actresses are like full of energy in this scene and there's this really really fast rhythm to it and christina's like what do you need to stay do you need more money i can ask the chief do you need a better title i could like make it happen what what can i give you to make you stay and teddy goes i want owen and and christina just yells you can have him and then both (laughs) of the women sort of stop and they realize like what they've said and they're like can we both say this thank you everyone for listening to my gray's anatomy tangent of the episode but uh you're welcome it does not turn out well for any of
0: the three i will just say no <laughs> a lot of broken hearts Ugh. and heart surgeries yeah uh another thing that doesn't turn out well in roswell is uh michael has decided to move ahead with his plot to find out more about courtney and this is definitely a girl's apartment because there are no weird sheets hanging over the windows as curtains. And there are throw pillows and well-lit areas everywhere. Listen, sometimes girls have sheets on things. No, in Michael's in Michael's apartment, they have stapled sheets to the wall hanging in front of the window. Okay. It's just a dude's apartment, okay? It's a okay. freshman dude's apartment. But I like Courtney's sense of style. Very, very 90s. Um, And she is being extremely forward. Like, massaging him and explaining, like, oh, basically, I want to bone you, but without saying that she wants to bone you. This is the second strangest TV massage that I have seen. Oh, it's the first
1: uh it's Rui's royal love inside the palace so the Rui one is strange because it's always so light and it's because the women in the show are very delicate that like anytime a servant is massaging one of the the women in, you know in the royal family whatever the touches are just like so light and I'm like that's probably not doing anything at all on the exact opposite end of this spectrum Courtney is like She's not even rubbing his back. She's, like, putting a hand on either side of his rib cage
0: and just squeezing in. <laughs> she's just compressing him. And she suggested enough what she wants to do. And he tells her, you need to shower first because I'm a germaphobe. And she's like, cool, all right, I'll do it. And he goes snooping around her apartment and finds something that Megan found extremely disturbing. I can't even, you guys. Megan was so disgusted by this.
1: It was just a whole cupboard full of lotion. I hate lotion. I don't <laughs> like the feel, I don't like the touch. I have lotion that I use, but I hate it. And I have to like <laughs> honestly, I have to lie to my brain and tell it that it's something. Okay, you guys are going to think this is so stupid. I have to tell my Sensory brain stuff is Weird for everybody, yeah. I have to tell my brain, this is vanilla pudding. This is not lotion. <laughs> See? Sorry. See? So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> because my brain hates the idea of putting lotion on my arms, but if I'm like, no, we're smearing pudding all over ourselves, I'm
0: bathing in pudding. <laughs>
1: right? Then it's better. Then it doesn't make me want to gag. <laughs>
0: I'm so glad you pissed off. What's <laughs> just then the best free. if you were like, no judgment,
1: everyone's brain is different, so and then sorry. I tell you, and you're like, so what a weirdo.
0: <laughs> I didn't mean to make you feel bad. I apologize. I apologize. You that, just, was, you should... that was not, those were not, that was not the phrase I expected to come out
1: of it's your right. mouth. It's okay. I
0: know. What did you think I was gonna do? That you were gonna pretend it was water or something that just like Water doesn't smooth. look like clumpy pudding? <laughs> Neither does lotion.
1: Yeah, it does I've got I've got a yellow lotion and it looks just like vanilla pudding and that's just what okay. I have to tell my brain what it is. That's great. It's for I'm my elbows. Experience. My elbows get dry. Not my hands, though. I really hate lotion on my hands. That's part of what the whole problem is. I have to put it on the back of my hand and then put it on my elbow because I just, I don't know what it is. I don't mind hand sanitizer. I don't mind soap. I don't mind water. I just hate the sensation of lotion on my hands.
0: That's fair. That's fair. This is the episode
1: everyone finds out so much about me
0: that they never knew before. So you hate slimy things, I hate, you know, dusty, pokey, gritty things, things on my feet, so there you go. But yeah, it's it's this cupboard, and is it, I swear it's illuminated from the inside, like that's just what it looks like. It's He opens the cupboard and there's light inside the cupboard, and there's like 20 or 30 bottles all lined up perfectly, so like it's <sighs> weird enough. It's not just like, oh, she must have bought extra, it's weird. Maybe she just shops at Costco. Maybe she does. Listen, and if you guys buy lotion in bulk, Megan never will. She will never understand this. That's totally normal and totally fine. (laughs) But uh, as he's... (laughs) (laughs) Don't shame people. (laughs) I know. Later on
1: when Liz is like, Max is disgusting because he had a condom,
0: I'm like, no, Max is... No, we'll get to the condom talk in a second. (laughs) So as Michael is going around the apartment finding this very weird, disturbing thing, Maria shows up with new information. And I like this because she explains, I found photos in Courtney's locker at work of you, Isabel, and Max, and your face is circled. And I'm, I'm glad that they didn't show her doing this and then had her come and tell michael what she found because Uh we've had that problem in the past especially in season one where someone will do something and then come and tell the person what they did that the audience already saw so i really like that we got a quick snappy background story of why maria is here because she's freaked out that courtney is watching these people and she and michael both are saying do you think she's an alien and then, of course, I think Courtney did this on purpose, just saying this. Uh, Courtney's like, is someone here? And then she comes out wrapped in a towel. Obviously, Maria thinks worst case scenario. Obviously. And tells Michael that, you know what? 48 hours? That was uh, that was way too optimistic. Oh, we're done. And she leaves. And I can't fault either one of... I mean, I can fault Michael a little bit. He... He just wants answers we know this michael is willing to do the work to get the answers to do the research about the constellations go light stuff on fire go do anything to get answers and no one else understands how much he wants to know things and i do feel bad for him but i also understand why maria would assume the worst, but I just, I wish she would have given him more of the benefit of the doubt if he's saying, I'm here to figure out who this person is. uh, Liz and future Max come up with a terrible plan because they basically instruct Tess in all the right things to say to Max to get him interested. Like, oh, my favorite author is, you know, who did they, who did they say? S- some some fancy pants. Says, says Sir it starts with an S. It does start with an S. Szyminski. No. Strzawski. No, he's very famous. I'm going to be really mad because he's a really famous author. Uh... Steinbeck. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you lie to someone and say you like something, you better be prepared to go home and learn all about it that night. Because people are going to find out that you lied to them, and that is a terrible way to start a relationship.
1: I took AP Physics to impress a boy before taking regular physics. It was a mistake. (laughs) I also joined the Hacky Sack Club to impress the same boy. Also, did not go according to my plans. I am not good at Hacky Sack or physics. (laughs)
0: you could have learned hacky sack better with physics
1: that is probably true i could have ice princessed the hacky sack club (laughs) i will admit there have been times in my life where i have pretended to see a movie that i haven't actually seen but know all the spoilers for because of living on the internet Mm
0: -hmm. Mm mm-hmm
1: I'm a liar, I've never seen The Shining, and I don't want to. I don't care (laughs) about a man going crazy and trying to kill his family. And yes, I know it's probably deeper than that. (sighs) But I haven't seen The Shining. It just doesn't interest you. I have read the book, though. And that made me want to see the movie even less.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, they've instructed Tess to kind of, like you know have max's favorite things out on the table so that he'll like be attracted over to see like what's going on and and liz has instructed her to wear this very specific top that's very like cleavagey um and so as (laughs) future max and liz are across the street not doing a good job at being covert at all they're looking through the blinds but instead of just like sort of peeking through the blinds they've got the whole blinds pulled down so their whole faces can be stuck out watching them across the street um but they're explaining max's future max is explaining to liz what her future could have been basically how deeply they loved each other they eloped at 19 they went to las vegas everyone was there and they talked about you know how romantic it was and all of these things and and Liz is going like well what are you going to go back to once this changes and he says the future basically the future I'm going to go back to does not will not exist anymore i will cease to exist i'll just disappear which is awfully um brave of him but um uh Max twigs future, present Max twigs onto the fact that something's a little off definitely spots Liz and future Max across the street and goes in. And they hadn't even locked the door. Max can just walk in. And so um, he's trying to, he's basically begging Liz to please give him another chance. Please come to this, you know, show I have tickets for and all of these things. And she's just like, stop. You have to stop. Stop. She can't tell him why, but she, you know, You can just feel the passion behind her words. And he's just so confused as to like, well, what changed? This part
1: drove me bazonkers because Future Max is like, he's going to come with tickets to a show. And Liz is like, we go to the show and that's what happens. And the guy's like, no, you don't go to the show. So you should refuse to go to the show with him. And I'm like, that's, but if that's what happened the first time. We should be trying to go against. I will say, though, something I am grateful for is that this didn't fall into self-fulfilling prophecy. That, like, Mm -hmm. no matter what they did, it ended up, like, still going. I'm glad that they framed it as, this attempt didn't work, but the next one will. And as much as I hate the reasoning and the logic behind his mission, I am glad that they were able to accomplish
0: the mission and not just like, oh, wow, time travel, I guess it's hopeless. Yeah, because we've talked about that. You tend to like that more. You like that things are set. I swear we've had that conversation before. Yes,
1: and I do like that more. What I don't like is someone's... Listen, I have this book series that I want to write. It's called and one of the books is completely about time travel so i think about this a lot Mm -hmm. and what i don't like is people who are obviously trying to change the timeline and it just doesn't work i don't know there's there's we're not going to get into my whole because you're right emily we have talked about it before but i i am (sighs) glad so this is different because i like that he disappears i like that we don't send him back to a future that's now different Right mm-hmm. That it's not like back to the future time travel rules, which is you change one thing and the whole future gets rewritten and you go back to the future, haha, and it's all like completely different. i I don't mind how this episode did it.
0: Mm-hmm. So I guess there's exceptions to every rule. <laughs> um, but the reason that Liz starts kind of freaking out is that Future Max tells her, "Hey, I came here with tickets but also a condom in my pocket and we basically had sex that night and liz absolutely freaks out because she's like i'm not ready to do that how dare you say i would do that and you can really tell that this has really affected her very deeply mm-hmm. um and he didn't really give much reasoning behind why they ended up doing that in his timeline but um Yeah, it was, you can tell this was not something Liz was planning on to do at this point of her life, you know? And so it was a very interesting conversation because, I mean, you've got future Max, there saying, well, that's what happened. And present Liz going, I would never, um, and it was just a really interesting conversation between the two of them.
1: Uh, but yeah, there's a bit where I was like, don't slut shame Max, because she's like, I don't have protection. And I'm like, good Liz, safe safe sex first and then he's like i had protection and liz was like you're telling me that a good boy like max would have a condom and just the way she said it made it sound like it
0: was nasty and i was like (laughs) no okay so we've got liz just still realizing they they haven't succeeded in what they're doing and uh We end up going back to Maria, and she is so upset. And Alex walks in on her, and I thought this was one of the sweetest, sweetest storylines. And I love, one of the reasons I really love this episode is their A-line and their B-line run, you know, together. That... A lot of times I feel like the A-line and B-line didn't have much to do with each other in the in season one, but everything flows very organically. Um, and he, instead of leaving, when she asks, he's just like, no, please tell me what's wrong. And she explains that she was there and saw Michael at Courtney's apartment while Courtney was in a towel and he goes to comfort her. And I love... I think this show does a much better job this season with the friendships. We talked about how they were very clicky in season one. That was like, it was just Max and Liz. And then it was just, you know, Michael and Maria. And it was very, very cut off and sectioned. And now we're getting more intertwined friendships with, um, you know, Maria and Max. And he goes to cover her. And again, if you, we know this because we've watched the whole show already, But they have been, Maria and Alex have been best friends for years. And I love that it's not, oh, I've broken up with Michael. Oh, Isabel doesn't want anything to do with me. So let's try out dating together. I love that there's not a lot of like interchanging pieces that he's just there for her and he's not like, oh, this is my chance. This is my chance to date my best friend or whatever. I just, I really like that about this, so. <laughs>
1: um.
0: Oh, this next scene. Oh, Megan. Go for it. Oh, so Liz has decided she's got to make, she's got to take the next step. And she goes to Max's house, goes uh, to talk to him. You know, he invites her in through the window and he's going to help her down. And she's like, I can do it. Like, don't touch me. I'm not here to give you any, any inch, you know, of anything. And the speech that she gives him is wonderful. It's wonderful. Because a lot of times in literature and movies, I feel that we get the whole, it's too dangerous for you, so I'm breaking up with you. You know, we've got Bella and Edward. We've got Angel and Buffy. You know, any, any other number of boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, whatever relationships. But in this conversation, Liz says, basically, I cannot be with you because it is too dangerous for me and I want a normal life. I love that Liz says, it's too dangerous for me. And she really tugs at Max's heartstrings. Like she says, I want to date normal boys. I want to experience my life. I want to get married. I want to have kids. And if I am with you, I will spend my whole life running. I will be in danger my entire life. I cannot do it. Do not make me do this. And she's really appealing to his emotions and his, his feelings.
1: And we, when we saw them in the future, that was absolutely right. That is literally what their lives were, that they were running for their lives until the very, very
0: end. And she's just begging and pleading with him to basically please let her go. And you can really tell that he, it it does affect him because our next scene is with Maria and Max sitting alone in the Crashdown Cafe with Maria encouraging Max to let Liz go. That, you know, basically we don't belong together. Aliens and humans don't belong together. We don't mix. You have to let her go. And Liz is so broken up about this, obviously. And so she's up on her balcony with future Max and we flash back and forth between these two couples and i love that max is in both scenes i love it i just i find that delicious that irony delicious and we see that future max is like he goes to reach for a kleenex to give to liz because she's crying she's so broken up about this and his hand phases through the kleenex box and they're like oh it worked which is so sad and tragic for Liz. But Um,
1: Maria is too good of a friend. (laughs) (laughs) She ends up giving Max hope. And So future Max is like, crap, I'm still in love with you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because they know it will work. They know it's worked when he disappears and he all of a sudden goes solid again. Sorry, this is is, uh, what I was saying at this point when we were watching the episode is how much
1: I wished that future Max stayed around like some kind of weird Tinkerbell who was always, (laughs) like, always hanging out with Liz and trying to get her to break up with past him, and it just never worked, never worked, it never worked. I would like to amend (laughs) that wish. I (laughs) am hoping that when Liz and Max inevitably get back together in, like, two episodes, that future Max just shows back up again. (laughs) (laughs) And every time they're slightly romantic, he's just against his – or, like, a different – a slightly different version of him comes back from the future that, like, instead of wearing leather – this guy is in, like, chain mail made from computer wires. I don't know, some <laughs> weird and futuristic or whatever. And then every time Liz and Max get back together, another future Max shows up to be like, okay, listen, if we have any hope of making this work, you're going to have to break up with me. And Liz is like, mama mia, here we go again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but she eventually comes up with a plan that she knows is going to work, and Really, it's thanks to Maria because Liz has heard that Maria and Michael broke up and Maria is talking to Liz about, you know, when I saw Michael and Courtney together, it just, I knew it was the end. And so Liz goes to Kyle's house and recruits him. And Megan, you pointed something out very important. You're like, please tell me she has told him that it's for a a bit, for a plot and not raising this boy's hopes. And, and she does. She does. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. One of like my top three because we get that character. I'm, I mean, plot is great. A lot of TV shows and books, authors do it for the plot to keep the plot moving along. I think the characterization in this episode is top notch because we do get that callback that, hey, we used to date. Hey, we're really good friends. Hey you know, I kind of do miss you. We were good together, that sort of thing. Um, but she has recruited Kyle to come and stage in her room that looks like Liz and Kyle are sleeping together. And so Future, Max is, in the bathroom. <laughs> Future Max is in the bathroom saying, this is not a good idea. And she's like, you know what? This is what we have okay because she knows that Max is coming there that night and so she's got Kyle with his shirt off but pants on she's very very clear that undergarments stay on he's on one side she's on the other and she is just stiff as a board I mean just like covers pull up you know she is so uncomfortable doing this and it was so interesting through their conversation and like they realize that they have this connection that they are really the only two people that they know of that have died and been brought back by aliens. And there's some fun, funny tension breakers that go back and forth. And eventually Liz relaxes enough, kind of turns towards him. I just thought the characterization of like her, like going from to, okay, this is my friend. Like it's not, you know, this is my friend. But Meg, what happens?
1: (laughs) So... What happens is I eventually figure out that they are doing this at Liz's house because I <laughs> thought she went to Kyle's house and was like, Kyle, I need your help. I need you to do a plan. And I thought because of what she said, this like I got the idea from Maria. I thought she was going to take pictures of them and then Max would find the pictures. And I'm like, hmm. OK. And then when they were like waiting, I'm like, oh, how are they going to convince Max to come to Kyle's house? But then I realized <laughs> He's been coming to her house every night to declare his love. And so she just had to wait for him to show up outside the window. And, oh, it's sad. Like, you could see, you could see in Liz's face that she's like, I knew it had to
0: be like this, but I didn't know it was going to feel like this. Yeah, it is just, it's, it's tragic because they eventually figure out it works because she's sitting there with future Max. And she's talking to him and saying, Hey, will you please dance with me? I want my wedding dance. And so they do, they have this lovely moment on the balcony where she's, you know, dancing with him and it's romantic. And you, you, you just know that these two are in love. Even if she's not in love with future Max, she's in love with Max and he's spinning her and the music is playing and she spins and she turns back around and there's no one there that, she did it she saved the world and she lost the person she loves
1: that's rough buddy
0: yeah and there's more plot but i want to i want to talk about this for a minute um because that's really that's really the ending of the episode we skipped a little bit but i just kind of wanted to follow that that you know storyline i think this is one of my favorite episodes because liz is so unselfish in this maybe not even that it's just she loves max so much but she understands. Yeah, it is because she's not being selfish. She understands that if she were to keep Max for herself and secure her own happiness, everyone will suffer. And there's always like two kinds of people. I feel like in literature, it's either, and let me, let me try and get this straight. And Megan, if you know this quote, I think it's a Jane quote. It's a Jane thing from, from Muse Quest, actually. Um, either, I don't care. Let the world burn as long as I can have you or I will burn the world down so I can have you. But the Mm -hmm. idea that, that Liz is so like, she's the hero and no one will know. And she's not going to go around and brag on herself that I saved the world and I did this and I'm super great. I, Liz is MVP for me because of this episode, because of what she did here, because She did something that she did not want to do to save the people that she loves. Mm
1: -hmm. Because, uh, I don't, did we, did we hit this in the podcast that he's like, 45 minutes before I got here, Michael died in my arms and Isabel died two weeks before that. And we don't know what's happened to the other humans, but like, this isn't just an, an, an oblique idea of, oh, the world's in danger. This is very specifically, Michael will die, Isabel will die, and who knows what else probably Isabel's
0: rock hunting husband <laughs> and so while while she and well she and future Max are kind of having this final final moment we see present Max sitting on the bench and Tess coming up and we see that connection start we see that she is there being quote-unquote human that she's being you know kind and listening and not the abrasive personality she usually has but her makeup is much softer her hair is you know down and they did a good job like on screen appearance you know i thought they did a really good job with that but even though maria and michael have broken up michael still wants answers so (laughs) so
1: he's making out with courtney to get answers and he ends up, for a second I thought it was like her shirt was riding up. But no, he ends up accidentally tearing a big swath of skin off of her back.
0: Blech. Disgusting. But Michael's not stupid. And he goes, are you a skin? And Courtney books it. And he tries to use his power on her, but he ends up blowing up his TV instead. Did we mention he gets punched in the face by Alex. Did we go too fast No, We skipped all of that. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I was so, I was so intent on Liz being amazing and how sad it is. Okay. I know. And
1: I was like, see kids, lotion actually makes you dry out faster. It's all a scam. (laughs) (laughs) But you tell it. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So Alex shows up and is like, I don't know what happened with you and Maria, but you've really messed her up and, and. And Michael's like, no, I really care about Maria and everything. And then Courtney shows up, and it's just, it's too much for Alex. And he punches Michael straight in the face. And season one Michael, I think, would have killed him.
0: (laughs) I think so, too, 100%. Because he goes, you just took your life into your hands. Like, he tells Alex that, like, that was not a smart move. But he goes, you're a good friend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and he just sort of smiles and is like, you're a good friend. And I can't remember how, does Alex just leave angrily?
0: Yeah, because Courtney shows up, because that's yeah. why.
1: Courtney shows up. Well, that's why he punches and... him. And he punches him because Courtney shows up in that uh, blue jacket that's open triangle at the collarbone and at the navel.
0: Mm-hmm. And this wasn't super clear, but all of a sudden, Michael and Courtney start making out. Like, almost like when Max and Liz were under some sort of way. I was
1: thinking about that! But they were thinking, yeah, okay, yeah. I had that exact same thought that I'm like, this feels a lot like, what was that episode called? We made fun of it.
0: I think that was sexual healing, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Sexual healing. I think it was 15 or 16 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But that's when he pulls the skin off her back. She realizes the jig is up. She dives out the window head first, breaking through the glass, and he tries to use his alien powers. And it works. He just misses her. So I love this season because so much happens. And it... Because in we've talked about this before season one, they would get a tiny bit of an answer and then lose 18 steps and have to go 18 steps back. But I love the little like hooks that they're, that they're leaving with each, uh, with each episode. But, Oh, Megan, I, I know that you're not a fan of breaking up and everything, but I'm going to say it again. This one is my absolute favorite where Oswald episode. And I don't expect you to like it. I understand. No, no, no. That you don't. yeah, no.
1: I'm, I'm trying to think if, if I would pick one as my favorite. I, I think the season
0: finale of one I really like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I really, I remember really admiring Liz, really admiring Liz for the choices that she makes in this episode, and how hard it was, and she kept doing it, like she tried and failed and tried and failed, and 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 did things that were going to be very hurtful to her and just did them oh i just oh the her and max her and future max together talking about their life together like she i almost think that's harder she gets that glimpse of what she could have had and she does it anyway oh i just can't get over it how much i love it and i think the conversation between her and kyle is wonderful I think they just really humanize a lot of characters in this in this episode rather than just them kind of, like, marching around being like, right, I'm an approximation of a them. high school student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I so. was so
1: glad that future Max and past Liz didn't kiss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I know that they're married, and I know that they love their version of the other person in their own timeline. Uh, but I I like that they recognize that, oh, you aren't the person i love you're a version of them but
0: you're not the person Mm -hmm. that i love yeah yeah oh i may go back and watch that one again it i love it so much (laughs) but that was season two episode five the end of the world and our next episode is going to be season two episode six harvest megan do you have any predictions for this next episode
1: Okay, I think we're gonna get more Isabel again because we had a really Isabel light episode. <laughs> Harvest. Uh, it's gonna have to do with the Skins' big plan, and I think Courtney is one of the younger Skins, and she doesn't agree with what the older generation are saying. She's trying to rebel against them. That she's like Tess, but she's like how at first we thought Tess was the super villain enemy flirty blonde girl and now it turns out she's on our side i think courtney's gonna have a similar sort of arc uh harvest i okay this is a huge stretch i think the congresswoman is gonna be back i think the congresswoman is just gonna show up and everyone's gonna be like but you super died and we're gonna find (laughs) out that it is a different one of the skins who's wearing the same like brand of disguise that like they only have so many faces that different members of the skin can be like the Cylons yeah or Courtney is a younger cloned instance of the congresswoman and that's why the congresswoman was surveying her and that oh my gosh maybe every time you shed your skin you get a little bit older and Courtney sheds her skin enough that she ends up looking like the congresswoman
0: oh I love that theory that's a good theory Megan thank you awesome well thanks for sitting with me and watching roswell the 1999 version meg i'm gonna let you go so you can turn your fans back on i've got to, in to the turn my fans back on it is so hot in my apartment <laughs> well i'm gonna get back to uh setting up our our warbreaker episode i'm gonna post that tonight yeah all right
1: well i believe in you
0: i believe in you ready, ready break, break. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to My Sister Made Me Be It the Roswell 1999 Edition. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I have a carrot allergy, <laughs> but <laughs> I really like eating raw carrots. They just give me horrible hiccups.
0: Like, every time. Alright. Anyways. I'm... Trying to-
1: <laughs> you scared my cat. <laughs> I did! Yeah, it's the, the hee, hee, hee. They know what my hiccups sound like. This is all on you. I I know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Roswell, the 1999 edition. I
0: never heard you say that, <laughs> that you hang up when you eat carrots, and I thought like you always made it up. You've known me my whole life. I know. Oh my goodness.
1: <clears throat> I think the worst of it is fast. Okay. I'm going to keep recording.
0: Anyway, in case you missed any of that, thank you for listening to My Sister Made Me View It, the 1999 Roswell edition. I'm also having a good day because I finally figured out what to spend my Christmas bonus on (laughs) and it's almost August. But my weighted blanket came in the mail today and I'm so happy. And so I'm just sitting here with my weighted blanket, just, you know, chilling. Yeah, thank you for listening and I don't know if you knew this. Meg, do you know that we have other feeds? What? We do. Nobody told me. We have more than one podcast that we contribute to. So if you enjoyed this podcast, you can join us next Tuesday, August the 2nd, to hear chapter nine of Our Flag Means Death. It's August! (laughs) (laughs) It is! It is. Um, And so we are celebrating that by releasing our next episode of Our Flag Means Death. Act of grace. Act of grace. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to to hear that. And then if you join us again on August, Thursday the 4th, uh, you can hear our next Words of Radiance episode. And then, as if that weren't enough, you can join us again on August, Tuesday the 9th, for our last and final Our Flag Means Death episode. And then back again, August the 11th, that's a Thursday with our next Roswell episode. So yeah, we got some good stuff going on. A special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We use it for all of our podcast feeds because we love it so much. So thank you, Michael. And uh, that's it for now. We're gonna head off. Uh, Meg's gonna play some more video, James. And I'm going to sit under my weighted blanket. And, uh, oh yeah, go eat vegetables. Drink some water. Do something nice for yourself. Be careful if you get the hiccups, though. Be careful because people will make fun of you. (laughs) Anyway, we thank you so much, everybody. We love you. We believe in you. Bye.